0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of THP Strength. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about warming up for a jump session. Real quick, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Legion Supplements. Just remember, guys, that we approach them because they are one of the most premium services for supplements. Everything that they do is research-backed from the quantity and the quality of the ingredients. They are supported in evidence-based research so that you are able to get The maximum return on your training. We're constantly asked, what's the best way to recover? And this is my answer give your body the bioavailability for the micronutrients that it needs to ultimately adapt itself. Let the training do its job and let your body recover on its own by giving it what it already needs. That all said, we're going to jump into the podcast. So, we're going to be talking about increasing core temperature, or we're going to be talking about warm-ups, but we're going to start with topic number one, which is increasing core temp as the one of the major goals that you're trying to achieve through the warmup. That all said, if you're trying to jump higher, there are a number of goals that you're going to be trying to achieve, but this one is probably the most primary, which is getting blood to the working muscles. So whether that is your quadricep, what actually, whether it's throwing <laughs> or running or jumping, this is a goal that you should always be trying to achieve because it's going to increase the compliance of the connective tissue, which is probably one of the most important things that you're trying to address. So if it's in sprinting, it might be the Achilles. If it's in jumping, it might be the patella. And further, the reason this is important is because if you have a brittle substance, then it's more likely to break and increasing the compliance of it allows you to have a stiff structure, that won't necessarily tear if you load it very quickly. So that is one of the, the big goals of your warm up, no matter when you're training, but specifically, if you're going to jump because you're about to load that tendon and that connective tissue very quickly, the blood flow to the working muscles is going to prepare them to produce force without, in a sense, you're also focused on increasing the uh, compliance of the connective tissue around that muscle. And that would be the paramecium, epimysium, and endomysium. But further again, you're trying to prep those muscles to produce force. And I'll get into the nitty gritty of that a little bit later on, but increasing core temp, if you're a speed power athlete, that would be my number one concern is are we, are the muscles ready to produce force and are the connective tissues, Compliant so that when we do load them, they're able to stretch and shorten and produce a lot of energy without causing damage to them Other
1: and just really quickly. This can be extrapolated out to different Athletic activities that require explosive movements. So someone could theoretically use what we're about to go over to warm up for a tennis match a basketball game insert other explosive Sporting event here. This isn't just limited to someone who's about to go do high jump. Yeah,
0: or dunking, or whatever else. So another, there's tons of other focuses, but increasing the core temp being one of the the biggest goals of just a, a warm up in general. But if you're trying to get a specific task done, like jumping, I guess maybe a better way of saying it is just because you're trying to get a task like jumping in. Or you have this very specific goal. It doesn't mean you go and change your entire warm-up. Actually, it's contrary. You want to have the same exact warm-up that you've been doing. Many times, you'll have athletes reach out to you as a coach and say, "Hey, it's the day of my meet, and I want to run fast today. Is there anything I can do in my warm-up that'll help me run faster today?" The reality is, just do what you've been doing. If you try to add something in your warm-up now, it's going to be totally novel and a shock, or a stimulus that your body isn't prepared for, and you're probably not going to perform well. So you need to keep everything consistent so that it's very routine for you to line up. If you're a sprinter, get in the blocks and get ready to go. Same thing's true for Isaiah. When he goes to a contest, I've told him this so many times and early on, I would say it was beating it in your head was <laughs> do the same exact warm-up, and he's like, I don't have space or I don't have this and I don't have this. I'm like, make it work. You want to try to warm up earlier, stay warm if that's a problem. I think when we were in, when you were in Paris getting ready for the, K54, you had a big problem with finding enough space to stay warm and then being able to maintain that for the competition. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So before the contest, they had us in the back because they have one giant or one basketball court and then like only the people that are in the games can be on the basketball court. And then in the back, there's like a bunch of events and like little booths they had set up. It's basically like a big festival thing so where we were at was literally like maybe 15 by 15 foot like space and we had to stay in that one space so i literally just did the warm up like with 15 feet of running room it was maybe less it was probably like 10 feet of running room and then when it was time to go on the basketball court they walked us to the basketball court and they were introducing the judges which were nba players so we weren't allowed on the court still and that took maybe like 15 to 20 minutes to introduce them And they had us standing in like the same spot. Like we couldn't move for 15 to 20 minutes. And then while I was there, I literally would just do like high knees in place, skips in place. I did bodyweight squats, just trying to just stay as warm as possible. And then after standing in the same spot for about 20 minutes, then they expected us to go out and do the entire dunk contest.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're not always Um, super aware of what it takes to dunk and many people aren't, they don't understand that you're, it's the same thing like track and field. You wouldn't just have a track and field athlete stand around for 45 minutes and then throw them on the line. And even then, many dunking athletes don't know that a warm up is important. It's like one of the simplest things that you can do if you're trying to compete at a high level, to ensure that you're gonna jump high. A lot of people just walk into the gym and they're like, all right, ready to go. Some people actually advocate yep. that. I think Jordan Kilgannon actually says that's what you should do, correct?
2: No, Jordan, has, he warmed up differently like in different stages <laughs> of his, his dunk career. He used to be the type, I remember he told me he used to just walk into the gym and his best jump of the day was the second jump of the day. So that's how he was from when he was young up until he was like 20 or something like that. Then he started having knee issues and then he started doing, and then this is something that I learned from him. And then that we also started implementing in our training and it's jumping, like taking 10% jumps at first. Yeah. Then and we're definitely going to get into that
0: later, but go on. <laughs>
2: yeah. We're work, working up to hundred percent. So he started doing that because of knee pain and his knee pain got really bad and he still had to do like dunk events every single weekend. So that's a really good way. Like worst case scenario, if, you are doing really bad with tendinopathy, but you're like forced to do an event. Let's say someone's about to pay you $20,000 do, to do a dunk event and you have to dunk or something like dunk league, or let's say it's your championship basketball game where like you're willing to risk jumping through knee pain. That's probably the best way I've found is 10% to 100%. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then after that, he does do a dynamic warm up to this day. I think a lot of times what happens is dunkers, they don't have a lot of self-discipline, even the elite guys. And everybody knows that dynamic warmup is important, but when you're about to have a big dunk session or competition, it's hard to control like how excited you are. And that's when people usually rush through the dynamic warmup.
0: Yeah, yeah. so I think that all said, you'll see that the general consensus on how to warm up has changed over the years for pro dunking, but went from basically not doing any warm up to now doing a full general to specific warm up including dynamic flexibility and going from something like running into something like jumping. These are general warm up guidelines that you should have, but I'm going to try to stick to the outline that we have here so I don't get lost elaborating on yeah. general warm up practices and try to keep it specific to try to keep it specific to jumping and hopefully a lot of people can pull from that and apply it to whatever activity they're trying to improve, whether it's sprinting or throwing or whatever else. Isaiah actually asked a, a question here. What about warming up in cold weather? Because the first thing that I said was increase your core temp is not necessarily whether you feel cold or not cold. You could, your internal temp is something that is a little bit more complex than that. It's not just the way that your skin feels. And this comes from the book, Power Plyometrics. Metrics. But that question came up and it was like, what if you're, what if you're physically cold and it's not this outward sense of, am I cold or am I worn? It's internal temp. That is what core temp I would say is maybe a better description of, for example, your tendon might be touch cold to touch, but it's compliant. It is warm and it's ready to start producing force. If it is colder, you will increase the brittleness of it. And it being cold outside is going to, it's going to exacerbate that at all. The t- at every tissue across the body, your connective tissue of your endomysium paramecium and epimysium is going to be, is going to be brittle. It's not going to be as compliant.
1: And is there a general rule of thumb that you can use to know if you're warmed up enough? Is it like, Hey, I'm sweating. All right. I'm no, probably pretty, I would warm. say
0: it's totally subjective. You have to know where you you have to do a bunch of warm ups and, have the internal knowing that you're ready to go. And you get to that point by warming up before every session every day. If you skip the warm ups all the time, and we have people that do this, they come to me the day before a competition and they'll say, Oh, what should I do for my warm up? Like, you usually do. What do you mean? You should have been having jump sessions every Saturday where you're warming up and ready to go for this session. Why are you asking me now, the day of your jump session or the day of your competition or your sprint, what? what warmup you should be doing. It's the exact same thing you've been doing. And this brings me to the the third one, which is the cognitive function and excitability. If you've, if you're doing, this is the third topic, but I'll move it up in the discussion so that it applies to what we're talking about. If you're doing the same thing every day, you're going through the same exact routine every day. There's no way you're going to be nervous when you come out the day of your competition doing that warmup because you've done it a million times. If you get to the, and you see this, pretty frequently with elite athletes. They are so smooth and focused and confident when they get to their competition. Why? Because they've put in all the work prior to that. Your warm-up is an extension of that. It is you going through these mundane tasks that you've done a million times so that it feels routine and it feels mundane. It feels almost boring because your body is so close to on the edge of too excited. So if you're able to bring it down and go through this very slow to fast progression, this general to specific progression. It is your body slowly ramping up for the task that you're about to perform, getting you in the sweet spot of the performance anxiety curve or the excite- excitation performance curve, which is the more excited you are, the more you'll probably perform better. But if you go too far in and terms I'd of say, excitement, you drop off. I'd
1: say if someone wants to dig into this a little bit more, someone in the NBA who's famous for having literally a copy and paste warm up every single day, to the T, same jump shot, same amount, same position on the court is J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick apparently has the exact same warm-up every single game. Nothing changes. Yep. Like the If you were to monitor his footsteps, they would look the exact same from one arena to the next, from one game to the next. And it needs to be, I would say, the same way someone's warming up to do a max squat. And the reason I asked about that sweat is because if you just got to a sweat and you're like, all right, I'm ready to go do a max squat. No. <laughs> Like getting warm is one thing, but you have, to, you have to get the rest of your body. And I think John's talking on the cognitive side here as well. The neuromuscular side, you can't just get a sweat and say, all right, I'm ready for my 405 squat.
0: No. It's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. And that's because everything that you're doing on the court is driven centrally. It's driven by your brain and your spinal cord. You can't have these volitional motor sequences happen without being very in tune at the spinal and cerebral level. You have to be, you have to be ready neurally. And that is why having a very systematic approach to your warmup can prepare you to jump high every single time that you go to jump high. Now that said, training inhibits the body's, your tent, your ability to jump high because it interrupts certain internal processes. So, Oftentimes people say, "I did the full warm up and I didn't jump as high. I did my full warm up and I didn't get the result I wanted. What did you do previously? Had you been doing that warm up? Did you deload? You, just because you do a full warm up does not mean that you're entitled to jumping high. It means you're giving yourself the best chance of jumping high."
2: I have uh, I have two examples of that. The first example is when I was in North Carolina. Now I've been doing the same warm up now for two years, I believe, like just consistently doing the the warm up every single workout and I'm very used to it. It primes me. When I do it before competitions, it gets me in the zone, ready to perform. When I was in North Carolina, Travis was with us. His Instagram is Travis Dunks, if you guys want to see his stuff. He is notorious for not doing the warm-up before before his sessions. I don't know. I think he's better about it now, but I'm not sure. But we were at the session, and he never does the warm-up, and he decided to join me for the warm-up and it completely gassed him like it was like like taking him through an entire workout so obviously that w- is going to affect him neg negatively and then the second example is austin who also used to be notorious for uh, skipping the warm-up there was one session in florida where he he just walked in and started jumping like he usually does and was jumping super high cj got mad at him and he was like oh you should do a warm-up what are you doing you're gonna get hurt so then he ran through the entire warm up with CJ, and then he started jumping like shit, like absolute shit, right yeah. after that. So yeah, that's a perfect example of what you you were talking about, where if you're not if you're not ready for it, if you, it's it's all about what you do did previously, what you've been doing for the last few
0: weeks. Few I think workouts. too, if you're younger, we all have had that experience where we walk into the gym, we're just ready to jump. You are in gym class as a high school kid, and all your friends are around, and it's after class or whatever, and you're on the basketball court. Everyone's just staring and you go up and you grab rim and it's you're way up there and you weren't even trying or whatever else you didn't warm up. You didn't do anything else, or maybe it's before class or whatever. It's 11 o'clock on a freaking Wednesday and you just jump high and you're like, well, how is that possible? You're just, you're younger. So you don't have the, you don't have a pathological tendon. You don't have any central inhibition because you've never felt pain. Your tendons are always going to be pretty much ready to go. And you don't produce enough force to where you would need to do a full warm up to make sure that you're going to jump high and not get hurt. Your adrenaline is taking over to a pretty high degree. You haven't really experienced a ton of times where, where maybe you weren't successful and maybe you're super confident in yourself and you're trying to impress the freaking girl across the gym from you. Yeah, it's possible that you can walk in and feel better than ever and jump super high, but much of that is going to play is much of that is going to be related to your adrenaline and you being young. Very rarely do I see older guys or any athlete who's jumped a considerable amount and has a high vertical from jumping a lot, have the capacity to do that. It's just not super common. And I think Isaiah, you've probably experienced that, right?
2: And yeah, just like being able to walk in and like, you
0: have adrenaline and you can jump high regardless of a warm up.
2: Yes. I will say though, because I've always been an avid warm up because you've always because since. you've always been hurt <laughs> yeah because like i started experiencing tendon pain when i was so 14. I. so i i was never able to just walk into a gym and start jumping or my it felt like my tibia was going to explode through through the top yeah. of my knee so i've always warmed up before jumping but recently when i was like after i took care of my knees and i went through a lot of your training and i just got into really good shape i'm able to jump without warming up the prime example is when i play basketball but um, even then there's, there's still an a lot internal warm-up
0: there's still you getting yeah. on the court well,
2: yeah, yeah yeah but i what usually happens is i'll get picked up as soon as i get to the gym and then a game will start running and somebody tries to throw me a lob like the very first play of the game and like you said there's you warm up through the game but i'm usually able to jump pretty hard during that and like it's adrenaline and i can usually jump pretty high as well i will say though in sessions where that happens and i don't go through a warm-up i dunk considerably worse in terms of my technique because when i go through a warm-up it's again it's something i've done a lot of times it's routine and it gets me into dunk mode like when i'm going through a full warm-up like in my head i'm like okay this is about to be a dunk session, and I'm about to hit every single dunk. And it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy, right? Like it's gonna like my technique's gonna be on point. Like my steps are gonna be on point. When I have sessions where I don't warm up, I might be jumping high because of adrenaline and stuff, but I'm definitely a lot less locked in, in terms of my in terms of my dunking. When I'm in a contest and stuff like that, my consistency's insane because I'm fully locked in. I did my warm-up, I worked up through my jumps. Um, in a smart way i'm like I'm ready to I th- go
0: I think a, so it definitely helps in I think that a regard. good example of this is how your body responds to threat systems after you experience a painful experience or you have PTSD or whatever It's like your body's already before you've even experienced that threat or you've had time to process it, your body is already starting to go into fight or flight. your adrenaline is already responding. you don't even have time to think about it and and shut that off. Your brain isn't capable of processing it quick enough to stop that response from happening before it happens. Same thing's true for dunking or competing. It's a threat. <laughs> like, you get nervous. There's people watching, yeah. you're about to compete or you're about to jump in front of other people or you're about to post something online and you're nervous for whether or not you're going to hit that dunk. You're nervous or whether or not you're going to perform well, you don't really know. And the more routine you can make that the better. And you're able to lessen that threat response to get you in that sweet spot. But it also does give you a level of focus and has a calming effect on you by, in, yeah. by just putting you in that situation over and over again and giving you more interactions with that type of stimulus and more interactions with this threat response. So you have this very calming effect before you go in. And that's where I think that focus really lines up is you have 40 minutes to just relax, calm your mind and focus on what you're trying to achieve in that given day. That's the whole purpose of why you're warming up So it's already starting this, lessening this anticipation response that's elevated in your brain. Many times when I'm pissed off and I think I should be jumping high, I actually don't jump high because I'm too far excited, too much anxiety. Mm -hmm. There's too much adrenaline. And on the adrenaline note, because I did write this in the notes, adrenaline is a neurohormone that is produced from your adrenal gland. Adrenal meaning above your uh, renal area or your kidneys—that's so where there's a gland there that produces a, a ton of hormones, stress hormones, and other things. And hormone pathways imp- and or go from the brain <laughs> throughout the body, and they all impact each other. They all bind to things that cause other responses that impact other hormones that impact another hormone, and it's very complex. But adrenaline is what gives you this fight or flight mechanism. It is epinephrine and norepinephrine. This is what gets your heart rate pumping. This is or gets your heart beating super hard and gets your heart rate to increase. It increases all of the blood to your working muscles without really doing anything. You could just be sitting there and your cardiac output would be, which I don't even know if that implies how much oxygen you use, but you're pumping blood through your body super, super intensely and your blood vessels are changing so that they're able to get the blood to the working muscles so that you're able to be mobilized super quickly. The blood vessels that go to your muscles are going to vasodilate, which means open up so that blood is being rushed into there so that you're ready to go and that you have oxygen readily available. You have ATP readily available and you're able to go through these biochemical processes super readily and it to a great degree. If you're getting ready to run from a cheetah, this process needs to happen quick so that you're able to be as efficient as possible and give yourself the greatest chances of survival. It's the same thing in our evolved brains it's obviously not we're not running from a cheetah we're not running I mean, we might be <laughs> but we change the way that system works and if you have too much of that adrenaline you have too much of that happening too soon it functions to disorganize a lot of the neuromuscular mechanisms and me- neuromuscular sequences that need to happen for you to jump optimally that is why I talk about cognitive function. That is why I wanted to bring it up is because that is really what you're trying to mediate to allow yourself to perform to a great degree. You're trying to mediate this adrenal response in the body so that it does, doesn't interrupt a little bit's good. A lot too much is bad. And the warm-up can really function to bring that back down. So all of that said, that was the second topic. Isaiah, I know you had something to say there. I don't know what it was.
2: Uh, I was just gonna say that I'm about to do my jumps right after this podcast and I can literally feel my adrenaline. Like <laughs> Me too. It's <laughs> starting to pump. Even though I, I, I like know it's going to be like 10 jumps and it's, I'm capping it and stuff, like I can feel my body warming up. I feel the adrenaline. Like Palms are getting like a little sweaty. Yeah, like I can feel that hormonal response just starting to seep through the body. But it's about, like John said, managing that because too much is bad for you. And that's where, again, the, the warm-up is important because it like brings you back down mm-hmm. to earth. And it keeps you at that that sweet spot that you need to be on the, what is that you call it? The excitability, it's like, excitability it's, it's curve? It's like the
0: excitation p- performance curve or something. There's a name for it. I always, I've talked about it before, but I can't remember off the top yeah. of my head exactly what it's called. I'll see if I can Google it real quick and see if it comes up. Hunter, is there anything that you've heard here that is interesting in you that you want to talk about? or?
1: I think that obviously I'm kind of more nerd out on the nutritional side of things. I think that, all of this getting ready to jump is obviously probably most important, but if you do not have the substrates in your blood that are going to allow you to maximize this preparedness, you're setting yourself up for failure. So while we're really talking about the dynamic warm up side of things, if you haven't properly fueled yourself with carbohydrates and hopefully some protein, one, you might get five good jumps and you're dead. Two, you're going to have a rough time with the recovery side. So when you go to do this, ideally you control as many variables as possible. So week to week, month to month, the changes in your jump height are from actual training or maybe lack of sleep or something like that. But the last thing you want is you're trying 10 different jump warmups every month and you never really nail down exactly what you want. And the next thing you know, you're changing week to week, but you have no idea what it, what the change is coming from. Is it because my squat went up? Is it because i tried a new warm-up is it because i didn't eat before my last jump day and now i had a big bowl of oatmeal before this one and all this is important and ideally you control these variables so that any changes you can start to nail down where they come from
2: yeah and also it's important not to let others like experiences and how their bodies are dictate how you personally should warm up because what i see happening a lot is there might be a, you might be super disciplined about your warmup every session before every time you work out before every time you dunk and then as soon as you put somebody in front of a ton of people a ton of other dunkers and they see some freakazoid cyborg like jump 45 inches without warming up that person wants to do the same thing they get the adrenaline like stick to your warmup and be completely disciplined it used to happen to me a lot when I wasn't as good as I am now I would go into contest and I would see some guy just start going but I would always stay locked in and keep warming up and stuff like that and now I feel like I'm in a position where it can be like more of an example where I'm going to warm up and I'm going to jump higher than you like like type of thing so always stay disciplined don't let other people's everybody's in, it's individual, right? Everybody's different. Warm up according to to how you feel, to to how you've always done it and stay
0: disciplined. Yeah. I think all those things are true. What Hunter was saying brings me back to another point that I wanted to address, which is a shakeout. If you're doing a very high importance competition, then you should probably be doing a warm-up the day before your competition. And there are tons of other elements that bleed into this, but if you're just talking about a normal session, you don't need to do this. If you're talking about a very important session, one, you should probably be deloading, two, you should probably have a proper taper, and three, that proper taper should include a shakeout that is meant to drive up your neural sensitivity. Maybe, I don't know if that's the correct word, but it drives up your body's ability to produce a lot of force very quickly prior to the competition. Think about it like the saying, motion is lotion or something like that, but in terms of your nervous system. Remember, your nervous system is a bunch of spaghetti-like structures connected together that connect to your muscles. You want to try to get that pathway or that highway, that neural highway as lubricated for lack of a better term as possible, which is bringing me to the next point, which is neuromuscular prep. We've talked about the joint prep and changing compliance and things like that. One other thing I want to add to that before I get into this neuromuscular prep is isometrics are always great to do for jumping or anything where you are trying to store and release energy in a tendon. It increases the compliance via changing, via taking advantage of creep, which changes the crosslinks so that they soften, open up, and you're able to load the core of that tendon. And this is all according to Keith Barr's research. He says this happens in slow strength, but would also happen in isometric contraction. Again, another analogy, slapping water and surface tension. If you slap water, it's very stiff. You put your hand into it very slowly. Obviously, you don't feel that surface tension. Same thing is true in tendons. And isometrics will help you take advantage of that to increase the core temp for lack of a better word in that tendon and improve its compliancy. So it's able to better store and release energy. The other thing that helps with joint prep is the weeping of synovial fluid through all the skips and the general work that you do in getting your core temp up your joints, your hyaline cartilage and your fibrocartilage, which is your meniscus and the underside of your patella or the underside of your kneecap where you get the slide and glide. And then your meniscus is the same material that your discs are middle fibrocartilage and hyaline cartilage would be, again, the sliding glide underneath your kneecap. Both of those cartilages can produce a fluid that lubricates the joint. And it can be beneficial to go through the whole warm-up to get those that weeping of synovial fluid so that it soaks into that tissue and it's prepared to slide and glide and allow you to move freely without pain or have pain in the future. That's why you want to start with something easy, that's why you want to progress to something more intense along with all the other things that we talked about. That all said, coming back to the neuromuscular prep, this is probably the last piece that I wanted to discuss. And then Isaiah, you and Hunter can obviously make comments or ask questions or whatever else. But the biggest goal that you're trying to achieve in your warm-up, other than the joint prep and the cognitive prep is this neuromuscular prep, which is, Are you ready to sequence your jumps appropriately and connect everything together? Are you able to anticipate the jump before it happens? Which is going to change the entire sequencing of your jump. It's going to change when muscles are recruited, at what degrees, and when that happens. Your tendon isn't going to rupture because you've done all of the previous prep previously. You've done all of the prep that we previously discussed. Your joints are ready to go. Your tendons are ready to go. They're lubricated. They're compliant. Your muscles are warmed up. They've had blood pumping in and out of them. They're ready to produce a lot of force. And this neuromuscular prep that is happening is going to be through all of the skipping, all of the running, all of these dynamic activities. It is going to be through the dynamic flexibility. It is going to be through the sprint drills. All of those elements should be in your warmups and they're in our warmups. And they are going to function to optimize the Motor pattern or the motor sequencing that you're about to perform. So stretch shortening cycle prep, again, you have to be ready to anticipate things before they happen. You need to, that's why you go from general to specific because you can't start with the motor pattern that you're seeking to achieve. If your goal is to jump super high or throw a ball super hard, if you start with that, your tendons are brittle. So they're going to rip apart. As soon as you go to produce a lot of force, you're, you're not going to sequence the movement correctly going hip, knee, ankle in a jump or in a sprint or in a throw, you're not gonna go from the spine to the pack to the rotator cuff to the elbow to, the, to your hand. Being able to set up your warm up such that it goes from proximal to distal, meaning it goes from the big muscles close to your core to the little ones out at your tippy toes or your fingertips, optimizes the sequencing that is to follow, which in this case is jumping. So the stretch shortening cycle prep, massively important in that you start with very low level, low intensity plyos and you progress to more intense, higher intensity plyos. It's why I start with skipping and the end of progression is them max effort jumping in the session. Like I said previously, synchronizing muscle actions is massively important. Being able to sequence them from proximal to distal is massively important. If you go into a jump session and you're not timing up your arm swing with your block foot off two feet, you're not going to jump high. No matter how much technical work you do, no matter how much you try to lengthen out that penultimate step and you are fast and low, if you don't time that up perfectly, you're not going to, you're not going to jump high. And the best analogy that I give is sequencing allows you to recruit muscles from proximal to distal and it allows the jump to look timed up and smooth. It is what makes jumpers look smooth. If you were to look at it underneath an EMG, it would look like a symphony. You would see certain instruments turning on and off, meaning certain muscles turning on and off at certain times. And it would be this beautiful harmonic picture of muscles on and off at certain times to certain amplitudes, producing force to a greater degree or lesser degree at certain time points. By warming up, you're giving yourself the best chance to do that. You're allowing all of those muscles to get the blood, to them. You're allowing all of the connective tissue that connects those muscles to the bones to become compliant. You're allowing your joints to, to lubricate so that there's no inhibition in your brain. There's no part of your brain that's saying, hey, this hurts, so I'm going to shut this muscle off at this time, which means I'm not going to jump optimally. It is an automatic, autonomous, thoughtless thing that you're trying to achieve in jumping. Your best jumping is going to happen when it's automatic and you're quote unquote in the zone. Getting a routine warm-up is all. Op- Is going to optimize the chances of that occurring doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. No, but it means you're going to get closer to that point It's going to get closer to you hitting that bullseye. The other thing is The progressive jumping that we will put into a warm-up This is something that I believe you should do with sprints or anything explosive Is you do the action that you want to end up doing to a great degree to a lesser degree? meaning if you're trying to sprint to a lower degree or to a lower effort level then progressively more then progressively more. It's going to help you with the timing. It's going to help you stay relaxed. It's going to help you be fluid. And then you just chase that sensation. You chase a more aggressive jump, you chase a more aggressive throw, you chase a more aggressive sprint. And by doing that, it allows you to naturally optimize the sequencing and the timing of those elements so that they're not forced. And it is a thoughtless thing where you're just chasing this sensation that's giving you this outcome. It's a kind of a hard thing to explain and I've struggled to explain it for (laughs) Probably two years now, but it's definitely something that internally happens as an athlete that lets you get to a point where you produce or you perform at a high level. So that's another reason why you need to set up your warm up such that it goes from general to specific, low intensity to high intensity, includes full pli- uh, level plyos to more intense plyos, has a dynamic flexibility portion, has a portion that's going to increase your core temp has something that's going to optimize the compliance of the tendons and lubricate the joints. All of those things should be in there. The specific elements, if you've done our warmups, you know what they are, but just to make this clear and concise, skipping, jogging, running, whatever else you put that in there, then you have dynamic flexibility, which is going through flexibility and full ranges of motion. Then you have some sort of dynamic elastic activity. That's not so intense that it's jumping or whatever else. And then you move into a more specific plyometric or specific elastic activity, which is you Jumping or sprinting or whatever else to a lesser degree and then you do it to a greater degree over time That is the basic setup of our warm-ups might want to someone in the comments puts a timestamp right there (laughs) This is the take-home point of how you want to set up your warm-ups go ahead and do that I think it would be beneficial for people to be able to hear that over and over again. What I just explained the last thing and I'll get off my my soapbox here is the the Increasing the sensitivity of, or improving your neuromuscular function means increasing the sensitivity of calcium channels. It means increasing the excitatory postsynaptic potentials, which is the chemical to electrical signal that happens in a neuron and then to the muscle, and getting that to be as smooth as possible so that you are ready to produce force fast and to a very high degree. It allows for an efficient muscle contraction without inhibition. The greater the excitation in the brain, the greater the rate coding and the amplitude of that neural drive, which means more motor recruitment, which means more muscular force. That's everything (laughs) in the why you, why you should set it up specifically. And then I also briefly talked about the how, but just wanted to be sure we didn't get too far off topic there. And I'll sum it up again. The first goal, you need to increase your core temp. The second or one a is you need joint prep and that could be isometrics. It could be whatever you were doing to increase your core temperature, like skipping or jogging or whatever else can be very beneficial. The next goal that you're trying to achieve is a neuromuscular prep. So I guess this is like number two or I guess we'll call it three neuromuscular prep, which is getting all of those cognitive and motor patterns to connect together and getting your nervous system to Unwind appropriately and getting it to or I guess wind out appropriately So you are able to produce a lot of force very quickly and then the last one is the cognitive function so taking advantage of the neurohormone adrenaline and Getting it to help you versus hurt you and those would be the the big things that I would say your warmth needs to achieve How you do that? I guess we can talk about now I don't know how much time we have, but I briefly mentioned it all that said Isaiah and hunter Do you guys have any questions about what I just said? <laughs>
1: I, I personally don't. Did it make sense? I, know. I think we covered it. And if you're one of our athletes, we can help you develop your own warm up program. But I think, as much as I hate saying this, it just depends on on who you are and how you are used to warming up. But obviously, I don't have anything to add to the John Evans <laughs> warm up. <laughs> I would say, again, I'll say this one more time: your warm
0: up should go from general to specific. Increase your core temp. Get your tendons compliant get your joints lubricated, get your excitation to a good point, increases intensity over time. <laughs> I like it. I, that's Make the drop. most, that's really what it is. That's what the whole, that's how you warm up. If you want the nitty gritty and the specifics, like you would have to do our training or consult or something like that for me to really go into the details. Cause it's not just skip for five minutes and then do this and then do this. It's-
1: Sign up for THP strength. strength. What'd you say Hunter? Said sign up for for (laughs) coaching.
0: All that said, guys, thanks for listening. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure that you share, rate, review it, any of those things on the podcast through Apple or you do it through YouTube. If you're looking to follow us, my Instagram is John Evans underscore THP. Isaiah's is
1: Isaiah 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 one.
0: (laughs) And Hunter, yours is.
1: Under underscore the pair. Perfect.
0: Thanks for listening, guys, and we will catch you next time. See ya.
2: Peace.